Welcome to Mama's Roots Are Showing podcast, where we recognize that we get one motherhood. If you'd rather not wing it, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Nicolette, and I love researching all things motherhood related and then sharing what I discover to help moms feel empowered, intentional, and joyful. If finding yourself in motherhood sounds better than losing yourself in motherhood, I invite you to join me as we explore the nooks and crannies of this once-in-a-lifetime journey. I'm so excited for today's episode because it is something that is so very near and dear to my heart, and that is homeschooling. Uh, Full disclosure, I am a novice homeschooler. My oldest is seven, and so we're really just beginning this journey. And because of that, I have relied heavily on veteran homeschoolers to bestow me with their wisdom from all the experience that they have. And one person that I rely heavily on is Missy of Let em Go Barefoot. Missy is a veteran homeschooler. She carries a master's in education and has studied child development extensively. In our conversation, we talk about why we made the decision for our families to homeschool, and we also unpack a lot of common misconceptions that exist around homeschooling. More and more people are considering homeschooling in today's society, and I thought that it would be wonderful to talk about the lifestyle of homeschooling because I believe that it is absolutely beautiful. So get comfortable, grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine, and tune in. Speaking of wine, I want to introduce you to a wonderful company called Dry Farm Wines. Dry Farm Wines is my go-to for finding and drinking beautiful, organic, biodynamic wine. So I learned about a little over a year ago that wine can be labeled organic, and yet all that means is that the grapes were farmed organically. And it can have up to 76 awful ingredients in it that don't have to be shared on a nutrition label. So Dry Farm Wines is solving this problem for the consumer. They only source the best organic, biodynamic wine from all around the world. They have a subscription that is right for everyone. You can do it uh, three bottles every once a month, every three months. You can do six bottles. You can do 12 bottles. You can do reds. You can do whites. You can do bubbly. There is a subscription right for everyone. And I promise you that you are going to enjoy every single bottle and you can feel good about it because you're actually gaining the health benefits from drinking these beautiful wines. And they're delicious. I have great news for you. As a Mama's Roots Are Showing listener, you can visit them at dryfarmwines.com forward slash Mama's Roots, that's M-A-M-A-S-R-O-O-T-S, which I will link in the show notes, and you can get an extra bottle of wine for one penny by using that link. You can subscribe for three bottles, six bottles, 12 bottles, whatever fits your wine need, you can find it there. So please check them out. I would appreciate it. And know that when you do, you are supporting my little family. I'm very excited to unpack homeschooling today. And I was hoping that you could begin by telling us a little bit about yourself and maybe highlighting 
your family, and also how you decided to homeschool. So my name is Missy, and I'm a mom to two. And my Dan, my husband Dan and I have been together for very many years. I, w- I was just actually calculating it before we talked because I was like, let me let me see. So it, we met in high school, so that was 33 years ago. Um, and we've been married for 24 of those. And um, I went to school at NC State and have, so I have a master's in special ed. Um, and I was able to work with the Duke ADHD clinic at um, Duke Medical Center while I was getting my master's degree. And that experience really shaped a lot of my understanding of what was happening in the schools, what what was needed for children who were in school, and how the family dynamic and influ- and a parent's influence a child from very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that experience, getting my master's in special education, my intention was to then go on to become a teacher in a public school setting. But what happened is that I I had gotten to the point in my program where I was supposed to then go into the classroom and do student teaching. Um, so all that to say, I did not expect to homeschool. I'm pretty, was pretty sure <laughs> I would go into the classroom and I would teach. And I did do that. I've worked with kids um, from preschool all the way to college within, you know, a, a very um, like five to 10 year time frame. And then my son came along in 2002 and um, we just had so much fun together and I, I enjoyed being a mom a ton. And once he got closer and closer to school age, it became really clear to me that what we have created up to that point was not going to be able to continue if, if he went into the school system. And his sister was born six months before he was supposed to, or he could enroll in kindergarten. And that part of it as well impacted my decision because I thought, I don't want to separate him from his sister who just got here and they're creating this relationship. And I feel like he's just getting to know life with her in it. And so then to take him away from our family unit when he's still trying to get his bearings with a new sibling and they're connecting. And it feels like I would send him away from our family for what? It was like yeah. for, for learning his letters. He already knows his letters for socializing. He already socializes for learning how to communicate with others. He communicates great. Um, so there were all these things that I was kind of like working out in my own mind about what was necessary. And so we made the decision to homeschool at that point with the idea that every year we would reassess. So it wasn't even like then I was still a hundred percent sold on it forever. It was more like this feels right now. Let's just go Mm. with it. And then we will retool as needed. And And now he's how old? (laughs) I was about to say, and that was a lot of long time ago. He's 19 and he never, we never did public private school as far as ever enrolling in a traditional public school or private school, neither of my kids has done that. We have a lot of similarities in our journey. So I also have a background in education and my intention was also to be a high school teacher. And Mm. I ended up um, realizing that I wasn't going to be able to teach 
in the manner and the capacity that I wanted to because of, you know, administrative issues and um, state mandates, things of that nature. And so at the last minute, I was kind of like, I don't want to do this anymore. It just doesn't mm-hmm. feel right. And this was after spending so much time in different classrooms and realizing what these teachers were up against. And I, and I want to stop here and say that I love teachers. <laughs> mm-hmm. For the most part, I think that teachers are wonderful people with the best intentions. And a lot of them simply have a lot on their plate. I also want to mention here that I don't necessarily think that homeschooling is right for everyone. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it should be considered by more people than are considering it because of so many misconceptions surrounding homeschooling. And so I thought we could kind of unpack that a little bit too today. You know, we're living in a day and age where more and more people are considering homeschooling. I think this has really grown exponentially with COVID. I think there are people who are considering it, people that are on the fence. So I I completely echo a lot of the things that you're saying, how being um, in the classroom can limit you, mm-hmm. not only the child, but as, a, as an educator. And Absolutely. Yes. And I also felt that pull when my eldest was born to continue spending that time with him. So it sounds to me like your main reason for deciding to homeschool was simply to have that time and to have that relationship. Yes, it it absolutely was. And I was paying attention to his personality too. And I had been with him, you know, from the time he was born and here he was almost five years old. And so I knew how he behaved in various different settings. I saw how he engaged with children who were quiet or children who were a bit more rambunctious. And I saw how he interacted with older kids and younger kids. And this idea of putting him in a classroom filled with children his own age who were all going to school for the first time, possibly you know, some of them probably had experience in preschool, but um, knowing what I knowing what I know about child development and understanding how the brain changes and grows and develops across a child's life, I knew that a room full of five year olds is not the most ideal setting for five year olds. <laughs> um, yeah, can you unpack that a little bit for us? Because I don't know sure. if um, people that don't have that background if they understand that. Yeah, so the idea that um, as we as we all experience and witness, you know, an infant is very different from um, a, a baby that's six, seven months old, and we can start seeing all these developmental changes and these um, their ability to interact and 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 engage with the world and how it changes as they age. And when you get to be about five years old, um, you're still in that very egocentric time where the world Mm. is still kind of about you and not in a way that is trying to be not in a negative way, but more in a survival way. That's just the reality of a child. Um, And they are very feeling creatures as in they pick up the energy of the room that they're in and they, they notice things about people. The difference with an adult and and, and a child in this situation is an adult can usually put words to what they're feeling, whereas kids cannot or have a more difficult time expressing what it is that they're sensing and what it is that they're feeling. So when you have five-year-olds all in the same room together and they haven't even learned how to effectively address the issues that they themselves are experiencing, or they don't even have the language yet to, to describe what they're seeing. um, And 
they're all together, then you're you're going to have it's, it can be a difficult thing, right? It's just the teachers, obviously, too, if there's only one teacher with a classroom of 25 to 30 kids, um, there's a, an expectation for order mm-hmm. above all else. <laughs> and rightfully so, like it, w- it would be very difficult to have um, to, to be one on one with with 30, 25, 30 kids. And um, so, yeah, that that to me just didn't make logical sense. And also with my experience in the classroom and what I had witnessed made me realize that it was just for us, it was like, let's just take, take some time, you know, there's no rush. And, um, so, so we did that. And, um, as far as like the misconceptions go, I know that there's people, I know that there's this idea that if you homeschool, then you're, you're possibly keeping them from something. And I certainly experience that myself, particularly with the, with the background that I have and being in the classroom setting. And that's what everybody does, right? Like we, we have children and they stay with us until about age five and then they go to school and it's just expected. It's what has been normal for multiple generations. And so to question it and to even reject it sort of, you know, it's like, why would you do that? Why do you think you're more qualified and aren't you keeping your kid from something (laughs) that is what they need. And I've, I think I've always been somebody who questions things. It's kind of in my nature. Um, and so for this particular thing, it just was like, well, why, why do we have to send them? (laughs) So I kind of flipped it on its head. It was like, well, why do we have to go? And why do they have to be in a classroom to learn this, that of the other? Why can't they just have nature as their classroom? Why can't they just be with the family that we have and the friends that we make and extend our community that way versus a prepackaged um, community that is about the, the neighborhood that you live in or the, the school district that you're assigned to. And you don't really have any say-so over who your children interact with and who the adults are that are in their lives. And, and a lot of times you don't even really get to know those people, which when you really think about it, it's kind of odd, you know, that we're sending yeah. our kids away for six, seven hours a day with a ton of people we've never even met. We've never had conversations with. We don't. And, and yeah, so I, that was, it, it just, it was, it was a weird thing for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I am someone that questions the status quo as well. You and I have talked about that before and I've, been on your podcast before and I've talked about how mine kind of started with questioning the food system. Mm -hmm. And then I became pregnant and started questioning childbirth and um, how to raise children and things of that nature, different parenting philosophies. And yes, as you said, just sort of asking these questions and digging deeper. Well, why is that the common thing? Why is this, you know, standard American parenting? Why is this standard American diet? And when you begin to really dive into those questions, you begin to learn that there's alternatives and that there's real big bonuses to those alternatives as well. Mm -hmm. And I had this pull when Ellis was born and we were starting to, um, you know, he was growing older and it was, okay, well, he's at this age where people are asking me, well, what preschool does he go to? Are you in preschool? What school do you go to? Mm-hmm. And and I just wanted to have him home. And he had a little brother at the time too. And I they were bonding and having this relationship. So I had a lot of the similar experiences that you had. And I also just 
I really believe in this idea that we get to have motherhood once. And right. and and these these formative years are so, so important. And I wanted to have this time with my kids. And the idea of sending them off for months and months out of the year for, you know, basically the the whole day, um, just didn't didn't seem right to me. And I'm not saying that everybody has that same that same feeling. But for me, it didn't feel right. And so I started looking into it. And as I began researching homeschooling more and more, um, and, and, I, and I've said this before too, but having the education background and then having a few experiences with some other homeschooling families and seeing their life inspired me to look into homeschooling. Mm-hmm. It gave me the confidence to do that. And I learned very quickly that I didn't need to have an education background at all. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think some of the misconceptions that are surrounding homeschooling are that we have to create school in our home, which is impossible. Yes. And also that the mom has to recreate the role of teacher in the home, mm-hmm. which is also impossible. Yeah. And I think a lot of novice homeschoolers um, make that mistake. You talk to a lot of veteran homeschoolers and they're like, listen, don't try to create <laughs> You don't need to put desks in uh, the spare room. You don't need to have ABC, you know, posters. You know, you don't need to do that. And the most important thing is to let the home be the home and to allow yourself to still be the mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, yeah, you made me laugh because you're bringing up some memories of of my big ideas and my excitement of, okay, we're doing this. We're in it. We are going to get, like I was sitting down looking at those cool little magazines and flipping through them and being like, okay, we need a number line. We need a (laughs) bean-shaped table. We're going to need some manipulatives. And I'm thinking, like looking back on I'm like, okay, well, we had all that stuff pretty much in our house. I mean, maybe not the bean-shaped table, but and I had, uh, you know, I, I went and looked at different things in the library. I went online, I printed things out, I created notebooks and um, I had plans. And when I started doing those things to my child, and I think that's important to remember is that an education is not something you do to somebody. It's something that they get or they take. It's not something you can give them. And Once I got to that place of recognizing it, like, oh, yeah, so, you know, as the adult, even though I have all this knowledge and this information and I have a degree behind my, my, you know, my experience, my child doesn't care. He, he only, he only cares about how his mother's treating him. And if I'm all of a sudden moving from a mom who was okay with us running around and being outside and going from rest to play and snacking and being with friends and adventuring to all of a sudden this, this like age, he hits this age and now it's like, nope, we need to sit and read this book or we need to do this piece of paper or do this worksheet. What you're doing is you're, you're interfering with that relationship that you've already created with your child that was built on trust and respect. And now you're flipping it to say, well, now all that was fun and everything, but we got to get serious. And it's almost as if you're dismissing the reality that they have been learning amazingly well up until that point. And they will continue to do that. Everything that they yes. do up to the age five, it doesn't stop. Their joy for learning, their curiosity, their excitement, the the um, 
finding something that they love to do and digging deeply into it. That to me is the beauty of this lifestyle is that our children are not inch deep and mile wide. They're mile deep. And when they want to learn something, they just go for it. And nobody is telling them when to stop because of clock or you have to wait and catch up or let somebody catch up or you're too far ahead or you're not far ahead enough. And so those, those, um, uh, the way that people grade you or define your learning really does go away. And so instead of worrying about what others are doing or not doing, you just focus on yourself. And that's where that self-directed comes into play. It doesn't mean you're selfish. Some people kind of misinterpret this idea of the self. You When you hear that, it's like, oh, you're so selfish and self-centered and self-absorbed. And I'm like, no, it's more you're you're coming from the self. What is the self excited about and interested in and curious to know more about um, and what aligns with the self? So are you a person who appreciates quiet time during the day and would rather not have the busyness of a bunch of people around you? Okay, well, you get to do that here. Go be by yourself for a little while, sit in a beanbag. You can shut your door to your room, you know, whatever you need um, versus you have to be in this setting for this many hours a day, regardless of the way it makes you feel. And yeah, that's- and I think, yeah, I think that's a really important thing to teach our children. I I want my children to know themselves and to express themselves and to create a life that works for them. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that sometimes um, your traditional schooling can do the exact opposite. It tells them right. that they have to be very defined by timelines. You know, you only have this amount of time to work on this art project. So hurry up. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you're inspired right now because we have to be done in three minutes. So you have to be done. Whereas when you have the freedom that homeschooling allows, as you said, you can take it as deep as you want, which is such a gift. And, you know, I know my kids right now are so into money. They're learning about Mm. different coins that, you know, so my oldest is seven, my um, my middle child is five and little Monet, she's a year and a half. So she's not really learning about coins outside of, can I grab all of these and take them from my brothers? <laughs> Put them in my mouth. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but they are so interested. And so we've been to banks, um, you know, to learn about money and to watch them um, use the counting machine. And mm. we've, you know, taken you know, we've gotten all these different coins and they know so much about money and they can give you change now. And it's just because they've had that space to do so. And granted, some other things have gone to the side right now. You know, we haven't done a lot of science right now because they're so into this, but that's okay. I know and I trust that we're going to come back to that Mm -hmm. eventually, but it's really following their spark. That is so important. And it's interesting because we, we sort of disregard that. Um, for children, which is really sad mm-hmm. because that's really when they're um, they're learning how to learn and they're oh, developing yeah. they're developing this love for learning. And then when they become in school, the statistics and the research shows that they begin to despise school. They mm-hmm. begin to despise learning. They associate it with, um, you know, not not having fun and not being able to express themselves. This is why kids love summer vacation and long weekends and spring mm-hmm. breaks because they're not having fun in school. They're being told what to do, when to do it, and what they're going to study. Um, I love giving 
children the opportunity to choose for themselves. I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want someone to tell me, hey, we're right now, you we're going to spend, a, you know, the next three weeks learning about, I'm just picking something, crocheting. When you don't want, when you don't have any desire to learn about that, yeah, you know, if yeah. you want to study astronomy, then that's what you should be spending your time doing. Mm-hmm. Why are we forcing kids? And I'm not saying that we don't. Ha- Obviously, we have to teach our kids certain things. They need to know how to read. They know how- they need to know how to do math. But there's ways to do that that are inspiring and and honoring what they want to learn and how they learn. Hmm. For sure. And there's also the idea that when we try to dictate and control what another human being is to learn, we get in their way because how Mm. are we ever going to know what exactly our kids are interested in until we really sit back and observe them and, and give them space to figure that out for themselves. And I know that, you know, every environment is different. Every parent parenting dynamic and family unit is different. So we, what I do for my kids and what we've done in our family will not easily translate into somebody else's family. So it's not about a model that you replicate. It's more Mm -hmm. a mindset that you replicate, which is pay attention to the children in front of you and stop projecting so far into the future. Realize that learning happens all the time, anywhere. And if you give yourself some space to step back and be an observer and put that hat of curiosity on, you will see things that will blow your mind. And I say that as somebody who had the teacher hat and I had it on there, you know, like I have to be a teacher. This is what I do. And I helped write curriculum for a private school. So I had in my brain the list of things that kindergartners should know and first grader and second grader and on and on and on. So knowing that sometimes I would be like, oh, he's not doing this thing under this subject um, and under this skill, a (laughs) 5.2. So yeah, so I had that stuff in my head and I had to just put it in a closet because it was, it was trying, it was, I was allowing it to control us. And I was like, this is not what we're signed up for. And to, and it probably sucked about- the joy out of the, yes. out of your life, you know, and that's not, we get to do life once. So let's mm-hmm. make sure that it's enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And I was just going to say to the point that you made about parenting, parents trying to replicate school at home, that it was the surefire way to go ahead and kill your homeschool experience. Because when I've talked to families and they've said that it just wasn't working for them, and I asked them to explain to me how they had everything set up. And then as soon as they started saying, well, they did this from this time to that time and this, I was like, well, you're (sighs) burning yourself out because it's impossible to recreate school at home with one person. I was like, you have no copy machine, you have no teacher's lounge, <laughs> you know, you don't have all that space to walk away and come back to it. And you're trying to do, if you're trying to replicate that setting, it's just, it's going to crumble, you know, or you're all going to be so miserable that nobody wants to stay at home anymore. Um, and the the flexibility and freedom that comes with being a, an assistant to your children in that when it comes to their learning, your role as a resource gatherer, an organizer, um, somebody who's willing to collaborate with other families and bring them in either to your home or go to their home or go to a neutral space to pursue some information that the children have said that they're interested in or create co-ops together 
um, or nature study, the, the sky is the limit. It really is. Um, it it kind of is only held back by your imagination. Um, not to mention how many people are available now to talk to oh. and to learn from. Yes, there's it's such a huge resource. Yeah, there's so many resources now. And I know when I was looking into homeschooling, we, I was really surprised to learn how many people, even in my area, which is pretty remote, mm-hmm. how many people in this area homeschool. And now we have um, a group that meets every week, which is wonderful. So we've created yeah. this sense of community, which is so important. And it is because I know some people can talk about, oh, your kid's not going to be socialized. And I just want to talk about that for a minute, too, because that's a very common misconception. Well, how are you going to socialize your kid? Well, we're going to socialize them by having them in life, which is actually reflective of life, <laughs> yeah. instead of instead of in a school, which is usually four walls with age segregation, where they're only around people that are their age. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go to the grocery store. We're going to go to the post office. They're going to talk to adults. They're going to be with their baby sister. They're going to hang out with kids that are five years older and five years younger and so forth. Yeah. And we're just going to go experience life. So no, we're not really doing school together. We're doing life together. And Mm -hmm. that's how they're going to socialize, which is definitely more reflective of real life than what the dynamic is in school. But that's a common misconception. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, I love that you said we're not going to do school. We're going to do life. And I think to take that even a step further, which if people would really consider school is schooling and it doesn't necessarily mean that's an education um, because there is a, an established format that has been created and it's pretty much stayed consistent for a lot of, a lot of years. And yet we know that not everybody needs all of those different classes that are required to graduate. Mm -hmm. Um, and it would m- probably be a better system all the way around if it was set up more like a library and had people in various spaces throughout the building who were knowledgeable in particular sub- subjects and offered almost like um um like workshops or seminars and the kids could sign up for them because it gives them an agency it allows mm. them the chance to create their day it makes them feel ownership and when you feel ownership over something, it it's a it it gets embedded, you know, it becomes that internal motivation versus the external control. And, you know, I can tell you, I mean, I could probably sit here for another hour and tell you all the different things that I've seen my children learn on their own without my interference. And I say interference because if again, like I said, if I if it was me that needed to create the schedule and to find the resources and to create the curriculum how much would they not be able to get because I controlled it versus Mm. the fact that they were able to follow their bliss, if you will, or find something that they enjoyed and really, really delve into it. They were able to interact with it in a way that was worked for them. And so my son is very auditory and to the point where I'm fascinated by his ability to remember stuff when he hears it. And I'm very visual you know, if I tried to teach him like I learned, it, it wouldn't necessarily work. Not to say that he couldn't learn visually too, but it just, it didn't match him, right? It just didn't match who he is. Um, and he also um, thinks in numbers and I don't, I think kind of like in pictures and symbols. I mean, I guess numbers and symbols, but he's very good at math and um, can calculate in his head 
in a way that I cannot. I never taught him that. When I sat down yeah. to teach him math, he actually showed me something and I was like, oh gosh, how did you do that? He was like, mom, it's just, you just do 10 and this and then and this. And I was like, okay, well, it looks like you've got it and you really understand how these numbers work together. So I'm going to back off now. <laughs> and it's that exposure. I I echo that because my kids, again, they're seven and five and we've been working on math, you know, especially with their money and everything that they're so mm-hmm. intrigued by lately. Um, and we use Singapore math, to, uh, the dimensions program, something like that. I forget exactly what it's called. Um, and my five-year-old is now doing math in his head that's pretty complicated. I mean, he's like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, like 28 plus 56 is this. And I, yeah. and I and I asked him because math is not my forte, or at least I was led to believe that in my right, <laughs> typical <right>. education. <laughs> and I said, how are you figuring that out? And he walked me through it and in his how it looks in his brain. And it was so interesting. And once again, I never taught him that. It's just mm-hmm. him picking up on what his brother is doing and having this buffet, so to speak, of learning available to him. And having, you know, we use a lot of games here. Um, We do a lot of game schooling. And, you know, there's so many different philosophies out there and how you can teach that I, I think it's important for people to, to at least look into it, because there are so many things that might, that might feed your family's soul, your children's soul, your Mm -hmm. soul as a home educator. And there are so many different options out there. And I I wanted to talk to you about something. um, Because you uh, you identify as an unschooler, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and how that shaped your life and your children's life. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't think I was going to be an unschooler. I didn't even know what that word meant uh, at the very beginning. And I was on some parenting boards and, and homeschooling boards um, early on just to sort of collect information and sort of learn. Cause I was nervous. I was thinking, I was like, I have to do all of this stuff and I have to take this huge responsibility on my shoulders, which typically I hand it off or people hand off to somebody else, right? You send your kid away, they become educated, they come home and, and then they do their home life. And so I first grabbed on to the eclectic homeschooler <laughs> label. And it's like, oh, we're just going to pick and choose from multiple different areas. We're going to do projects. We're going to do, you know, reading. We're going to do um, activities and science, you know, so there was like a mixture. Um, and and I did. I created what I thought was some pretty cool stuff <laughs> and handed it out to my son. And he was just sort of like, yeah. Um, no, I'm not saying he didn't <laughs> like some things. He enjoyed some stuff. And particularly uh, the like, so what I would do is I had these uh, um, white envelopes and large, like a, like nine and a half by 11 envelopes. And I would find news articles or something in a magazine, um, or I would photocopy something from a book and take like coloring pages and I would collate it around a topic. So let's say frogs of North Carolina. Um, and I would put this in an envelope and I would name it on the front, you know, like frogs. And then I would do that with like weather or maybe airplanes. And I had it in this bin and every day I'd be like, so which one do you want to do today? You know? And he would just like sort of look and be like, ah, that one sounds good. You know? So I'd grab it and pull it out. When we would start working through some things and he would just get like, you know, I'm good, mom, I'm done. And so then I would feel frustrated because I'm like, I did all this work. I pulled all this stuff together. It's really (laughs) cool if you would just sit here long enough, you know? And, um, then there would be things that I would notice he would be more into, like paper airplanes, for instance. And 
what my little sheet told me was that we were going to make a paper airplane. Then we were going to throw the paper airplane and we were going to measure how far it went. And then, you know, that was going to be our activity. Well, if he, if I let him take the lead, it would be not just, he would make one, he'd make five different ones to see which one flew better. And he would get on top of the table and he would be like, let's throw it out the window on the second floor. And the excitement and the energy that he would put into something that he really loved was way beyond what I could create for him. And so seeing all these things, in addition to being in community with people who were already leaning and doing unschooling, and that's how the term ended up coming into our lives because that's what they called it. Um, which, you know, at first I was sort of like, what kind of witchcraft are they talking? Because that doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> how will my child learn anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, I don't think so. That feels a little... To be honest, I mean, it was me. It was my ego. I was like, I'm the teacher. Oh, I've yeah. got the degree. I have the experience. And therefore, you all are possibly not doing what you need to be doing for your children. Like you're kind of giving, doing them a disservice, which of course now I'm like eating my words and laughing about how I felt that way. And it didn't take long. I will be honest. It was like a very short amount of time. I finally started like coming together with this whole idea that learning happens regardless of my um, input. And when um, we made the switch was probably around six-ish because he was really, really into Pokemon cards. And I started seeing how he was memorizing like these full paragraphs on those cards. And then he was understanding math and calculation and um, his number sense was very good. Then he would get these science science terms down because Pokemon is it's a pretty cool game when you really dig into it and see all the different elements to it. Um, he understood, you know, it, he just he just was picking up so much that I kept being like, oh wow. But he wouldn't only look at the cards and read the cards; he would trade them with friends. He would organize them. He would um, he would save some and he would look them up online and realize that some was some were more valuable than others. And then he played the Pokemon game. He taught me how to play and he and I would play back and forth. And that was just so much fun. So around that time is when I finally made the switch to, okay, we are going to embrace this unschooling life if it kills me. <laughs> and, and, you know, from that point on, we pretty much just, I, I gave myself permission to let go. And, um, there were days where I was like, oh gosh, we're not doing enough schooly things. Like, uh, maybe I should get him to write something down just to put it in a notebook so I can prove, you know, that <laughs> we did that thing. So what I so I flipped it though. And what I'd started doing was keeping my own notebooks and writing down all the things that we did, the activities we did, the places we visited, the friends who came over, the the particular, like if we did a science experiment, I would make sure you know, I kept track of that sort of thing. And I took a ton of pictures. So. Oh, that's our, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So unschooling life is really in pictures. And that to me made much more sense. And if there was something I wanted to write about, then I would, I would just write it just for our sake, just to keep it something that we could go back to, you know, years from now and help us remember, oh, that picture was about this activity and what we did. And, you know, just a memory book, really. Yeah, the memories of a homeschooling life. I I have a book that I use too. And in the beginning, I s used it as like a to-do list, right? Like today we're going to do this, today we're going to do that, today we're going to do this. And then you start feeling lack, right? Because you realize, mm. well, we didn't get to this. So 
I now do it the opposite way. Like I think what you're saying is I write now and now I write down what we did do. And so there's this mm-hmm. sense of accomplishment versus, oh my gosh, well, I had 10 things on the list and we only did seven. Oh gosh. Now I'm like, yeah. well, we did a lot today. And I also write down like funny things that the kids say so that I can go back oh, yes. and read them. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Those are great. Yeah. And I think it's just a completely different approach, which is really cool. And I, you know, you mentioned the ego and I think the ego can get in the way of our lives in so many ways, but certainly as a home educator, when you're kind of holding the weight of your child's education, um, there is some pressure there, but I think you're right Mm -hmm. that you have to kind of let go of that and recognize what is ego here. And also what is the goal? I think a homeschooler needs to figure out what the goal is and to be recentered in why they're choosing to homeschool. And I just want to speak about some of the stuff that you do. Um, So I follow you on Instagram. And, you know, for me, it's very easy to feel less than by looking at certain Instagram profiles, right? Mm -hmm, Of course, I'm not right. Like I'm not doing enough. My house doesn't look like that. My closet doesn't look like that. My homeschool room doesn't look like that. But Missy, I have to tell you that your, your content always fuels me and it always inspires oh, me you. it does oh and my it, gosh it recenters re- me it's not in this oh my gosh I'm not doing enough and now I'm just gonna go feel terrible about myself yours really speaks to my soul and it and it really does kind of allow me to see where my roots are and to yeah just kind of come back to my center so I want to thank you for the space that you've created on Instagram I think that you are brilliant in what you share and how you preserve childhood and preserve life for families who choose this alternate life. And what you do is really beautiful. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Nicolette. That is every, I can stop now. I'm done. I did my job. <laughs> no, it's, it's so great. So if you can tell people where they can find you. Sure. Thank you. Gosh, thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm at Let Them Go Barefoot all together. And you have to do the little apostrophe E-M, you know, good old South. Let Them Go Barefoot. And that's on Instagram. And on Facebook is the same. Um, I also have a blog by the same name. And um, that has been recently updated. I'm still working on adding some new content there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I really love and your podcast. Yes. And my podcast, I started that last year and, um, now it's every other week I'm trying to get a new one out and believe it or not, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and spill the beans on this, but I'm, I'm going to interview one of my college professors and I'm so excited. That's I know somebody who was super instrumental in my life and helping me figure out that I wanted to work with kids and, and how to go about doing that. So she was a psychology professor and one of my advisors. So it's pretty exciting. Um, that is really cool. But I'm always, always, always writing and um, have, you know, I was going to tell you that when you said something about the games, I wrote something about um, how games can bring the joy back into learning. And mm-hmm. so if you want to link to that, I can send you a link for it. But I, it, it's amazing when you sit and think about how many skills you're learning while you're playing games and oh gosh that's, absolutely you know it it's amazing and it's more than 
it's more than facts. It's more than knowledge. It's bigger than that. It's it's patience. It's understanding yourself. It's being cooperative. It's learning how other people in your family operate. It's it also mm-hmm. allows you to shine your personality a little bit more. You know, it, it's and such it's an interactive. Hmm. Yes. It and is there's fun. <laughs> yes. It's enjoyable. Yes. Which is what learning can be. And I, yeah, we love incorporating games into our learning. It's become something that we really rely on heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. So yeah, you'll have to send me that link. Now, as we're partying here, I have a question for you. Well, and then I'll have another question for you. <laughs> but okay. What is your if you had to give advice to someone who was considering homeschooling or someone who is new to it, what would be the one thing you would say to them? Hmm. Well, I, I would definitely have to ask them some questions first, like, you know, kind of, I guess, to get underneath their why. Um, but more, but, but mostly it is, that is the thing I say to people when they feel a call to go into homeschooling or to, to choose that route. I, I ask them to really sit with their why um, and don't choose it out of fear of, of sending to school. You know, like if, if fear is your reason for choosing it, then let's peel it back a little bit further and, and, and look more deeply at the experience that you're trying to create for your children and the lifestyle you're trying to create for your family, because it is a lifestyle choice. It's not, um, it's it's not an educational path per se. It's more of a lifestyle choice because you are you are the you know you're the you're the driver of this of this bus <laughs> and and you get to choose you know where your family vacations when they vacation taking day trips um you know when you get to eat together and visit family and friends and so think about your why um, and then the other piece would be. It, there's just not um, a rush, you know. We've 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 created this idea that it has to all be done in a certain year, and that's just categorically false. And learning is not an emergency, you know. There's not. Oh, some, I love that. Yeah, you're not gonna all of a sudden just like mess your kids up because you know they didn't do the 75 things that were listed for kindergarten. Um, it it's just not it's just not the case. Um, which speaks to one more thing I just want to throw in there real quick about the differences in the ages, because, you know, I've been able to see, I've got my son who's 19 now and my daughter's 15. And there were times when I was concerned that I didn't introduce some skills a little sooner. And what I've found over and over again is when they are ready for something, it sticks and they learn it so quickly that it almost blows my mind. But it speaks to the reality that when we're ready for information, it'll mm. it'll it'll build upon itself, and the people who are learning it are going to learn it the way they need to. And we and just think about what you learn. Like any of us as adults, if we're interested in learning a new language, what do we do? We we go learn a new language, and we practice, and we try, and we interact with others, and we watch YouTube videos, and maybe we take a class. That's exactly what we do with our children daily. Yes, and we want to create this person who's a lifelong learner because being being a lifelong learner 
brings life. I think that when people stop learning, and that's something that our I think our society is plagued with, that you reach a certain age and suddenly, well, I'm just going to be stuck in this job. I'm not going to learn anything new. This is just who I am. And I'm just going to yeah. live out the rest of my life doing this thing that I hate. And I think that if there's anything that homeschoolers have as an advantage is this um, – this time and this ability to really get to flush out a little bit of who they are, maybe a little bit sooner than Mm -hmm. maybe kids who go to a traditional school because they do have this time and this space to explore those options. And also to realize that their choices matter, that they do Mm -hmm. get to make choices for themselves and that that is what is life-giving. And I think that's a really important thing that homeschoolers – experience. Mm-hmm. And, and they get to make and, the wrong choices too. Oh you know? gosh, I mean, they, absolutely. Yeah. They get to make and a that's choice. A part and they, of uh, it. Right. Exactly. There's going to be gaps in in the education. I think um, I remember talking to one of, of another veteran homeschooler and she said, you know, I remember being really concerned about the gaps in my children's education. And she said, but I had to realize that if they would have gone to any other school, they would have mm-hmm. had gaps in their education there too. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. You can never know it all and you can never address it all. And that's why you, that's why when you're able to create the structure that matches you as an individual, you're going to learn the things that you need to learn and have that flexibility to, to seek out information that that matches. And and you have to keep in mind the personality differences too, or temperaments in your children, <laughs> because, you know, there's, there's one, like one kid um, of mine enjoys having that schedule and likes to know what the plan is and wants to project out for a few weeks where the other one's just like day to day, like, yep, I'll do that. Okay, sure. You know, and that's just who they are. So uh, yeah, it, it's just, you get that opportunity to really customize life for the people in your life, yeah, including yourself, you know? Yes, absolutely. That's a part of it too. How do you think it shaped your family? Well, it's made us close um, for sure. It's made us really know each other. And I I think it's allowed us an opportunity to, um, well, it's helped me grow. I'll say that, you know, being with my kids because they are mirrors to us and they give us an opportunity to see our flaws and our, our, the areas that we might need to work on. (laughs) And, and, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, they will be a good reflection and they give us a chance to practice certain things um, more frequently, I guess. So, but, but I also feel like it's given us a consistency and a theme and a, not a theme, that's not really the right word. It's more of a a thread, right? Like a common thread, like a, this is us kind of thread. Culture maybe? Maybe that's, that's it. Like, you know, we all know each other fairly well. (laughs) I mean, which is important. Mm -hmm. Like you said, Mm -hmm. we get to do this once. So I love that because I, that's something that, you know, when you were speaking to the goals, that's one of the goals that I have. I want us to really have a lot of time together and to really build these relationships and having my Mm -hmm. children home with me and being able to have experiences with them is the only way I know how to do that Yeah, (laughs) to the level that I want to. So right, thank you. Well, and I'll throw, I'll 
throw out a, another example as far as um, the the choice to have this sort of lifestyle has allowed my kids to feel as confident in their skin as they they can, I guess. And and there's there. I mean, they're always going to learn and they're always going to make mistakes, and and you know that's just human nature. But what I have seen so well, so what I have seen play out beautifully is this willingness to step outside of the home and come back to the home and then step further from the home and come back to the home. And I say mm. home as in like our family unit home, but they also, I feel like are so confident in their abilities to do that because they haven't, they haven't really, it's, it's, a, they haven't really had to struggle figuring out who they are because they haven't had to do it within this context of all of these people trying to do it at the same time. You know, yeah, so they I, haven't had this constant influence of you got to do it this way to be accepted or you have to do it that way to be accepted. It's more like you're accepted no matter what here. And so, you know, you get to kind of flourish and bloom within the confines of an, of an environment that really is here to support you. Yeah. And now that you're at the at the stage of homeschooling that you're at, you're really begin, beginning to see that you know, come to life as they're, you know, you have a 19 mm -hmm. year old now. And so you're beginning to see that all that groundwork take shape and, and see him take flight, which is really beautiful. Right. Well, I have one more question for you. Um, I like to ask people, what is a book that helps shape them in whatever we're talking about, whether that's motherhood, homeschooling, or maybe it's something that you're reading now that is super influential Tell us what we should be reading, Missy. Oh, wow. I have so many books. I mean, I'm sitting here in my little chair and I have like 12 books around me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just have books everywhere. But I will say one that I have recommended over and over and over again is um, Hold On to Your Kids, Why Parents Need to Matter More Than Peers. And it's by Gordon Newfeld and Dr. Gabor Mate. Amazing book. It was a book I, I didn't want to read. read. That one. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That was one that really, it really shaped me because it was when my son was younger and I mean, maybe four-ish, I would say three or four. And um, some of what they were saying, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't want to hear it. And it was mm. the fact that we live in a peer culture that is drowning our children in very many ways. And here's what we can do to change course and ensure that you maintain that grounded space for your kids, even within the context of a world that is very much about the peer culture. And but that book a, is amazing. It's a challenge. Yeah, it, it, it challenges you. It might make you a little uncomfortable, but I always find those books mm -hmm. to be, yeah, as you said, so transformative. Well, I will definitely add that yeah. to my list. There's well, so many they, good ones. <laughs> there are. There are. Well, that one um, I will definitely have to check out. And Missy, I want to thank you for your time. I think you are just brilliant. And again, I'm so happy that our lives have crossed paths and that we've had these conversations. I'm very much inspired by you. And I appreciate well, you taking you. the time today. If homeschooling has been on your heart, I encourage you to lean into that and to begin digging and researching to discover if maybe it is the right choice for your family. If you have found this episode helpful, I would love it if you could leave a comment wherever you're listening, leave a review, and of course, 
share it with another mama who may need similar encouragement. We are in this together.